Hey everyone, I'm sorry that the show is a little late this week, but I have a pretty good reason. I was working all weekend on getting the first video from the Toronto trip completed, and that is now up at fitcast.network, backinmyplay.com, and youtube.com slash fitcastnetwork. And that is all about the Personal Computer and Video Game Museum up in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. I got to hang out with Sid Bolton and Jason Canham and Benjamin Rivers and go and check out his amazing facility there. Just really, really great stuff. And I'm super proud of the video that came together. So I hope you're able to take the time. It's about a 13-minute video. Go check it out. Some great stories from Sid and just an awesome look at his incredible collection. He has a complete inbox of a bunch of different consoles. So you get to see some of that. There's still a bunch of extra footage from that shoot. And I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with it yet. I might just release kind of like a like a big you know B-roll uh, footage thing because there's some still some some good stories that I want to share in there. And just also, it's really cool just to you know hang out in this incredible space and take a look at the fantastic things in his collection. So for this episode, we are going to have Greg Stewart of the Player One Podcast talking about the Super Nintendo and his memories. He has a very very interesting perspective. And you'll kind of see why in a couple minutes, but I think it's cool because he's a Sega guy and he's got a very interesting perspective, especially doing Generation 16 and all the great video content that he does. Also, with Greg, if you're a Patreon, and I appreciate you guys so, so much, you guys are really making it so I can continue to do this show. I really appreciate your support, and that means you're getting a 30-minute Sega CD discussion at the end of the show, so don't stop. After we talk to Jason, continue listening because we will be continuing with Greg to talk about the Sega CD. And again, I, I you know I, I always fight myself on this, like exclusive content and stuff. But right now, uh, I'm really trying to do some some big stuff with back in my play and with the video content. Like that's why I was up in Toronto, invested a bunch of money in doing that. And you know that is where the patrons are really going to be stepping up. So I appreciate it so so much. If you haven't before or you're, you're thinking about doing it now i'd really appreciate it if you go to patreon.com slash back in my play help out the show so i can do great video content i think once you go check it out i think you'll see it's pretty good <laughs> it took a lot of time and a lot of resources to do that uh, and i'm very happy with it. i hope you enjoy it so i mentioned jason jason is from youtube gaming jason is my like one of my best friends we get to go to he's, he's like my japan friend because we always hang out in Japan, oddly enough. So maybe he's like my best Japan friend because we're always like, you know, hanging out when we just happen to always be in Tokyo at the same time, which is super rad, and go retro game shopping. So we get to talk about his memories of the Super Nintendo. Plus, we do a big retro video game discussion, a retro shopping discussion for people that are thinking about going to Tokyo, thinking about going to Japan, and want to get some good deals, find the good stuff. We got it for you right now. Also... One more thing I want to mention before we get into the meat is that uh, I got you guys. I hope you've checked it out. Peter Brown's been on a couple times. We've talked about this, but the Airship podcast that they're doing over at GameSpot, badass podcast on Japanese games, RPGs, Japanese RPGs, and they did a TGS episode where they got to talk about you know, some great uh, TGS games, some VR experiences, and uh, Peter also goes into some retro video game shopping discussion. So we're giving you guys the tools, the tips that you need. So you can just all you got to do is book a flight, just go over there, fly into Narita, take the bus, get to the hotel. I recommend Shinjuku. That's a great place to stay. It's got the best train station. And keep this in mind. All right, pro tip: Hey, if you guys are gonna go and stay in Tokyo. 
two best options for places to stay. One, Airbnb. Lots of English-speaking people doing Airbnbs in Tokyo. You can get a great deal in a great location. Number two, all right, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't believe I'm giving out the secret. If you're really worried about not staying, or you're worried about staying someplace where people are going to understand English and you're going to have that kind of support, what you want to do is you want to stay at a business hotel. I like the Hotel Sunroof Plaza in Shinjuku. It's dirt cheap. The rooms are super small, but the whole staff speaks English, and you can get stuff shipped there. They're so great. Oh, man, the staff is super good there. The only thing that's a little bit weird about that hotel is, um, well, I guess this is Japan. The showers are really short, so if you're pushing that six-foot-tall marker, you might need to duck under there, but it's really not that that big of a deal. Also, it seems to shift from hot and cold, but I digress. So we got a great episode coming up today. Check out that video. Check out uh, SidBolton.com. Check out all of Sid's stuff, just great stuff at the PC Museum and Video Game Museum that he has going on over in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. And after this show, I think what is going to be, to give you a preview, what's coming up next week is, I think it's going to be, or it should be, it's going to be this Friday, I guess, in three days. It's either going to be Mega Man X. If I can pull the people together that I want to get on this show, it's going to be Mega Man X. That game ended up being pretty great. Or we're going to be going into some Nintendo 64 memories. So I appreciate your patience. These these bigger you know game-exclusive episodes take a little bit of time, but I hope you guys are enjoying these memories episodes. And that N64 show has a bunch of your memories too. And this is where I want you guys jumping in. If you do have specific N64 memories, you can start emailing me, Kevin at backofmyplay.com. Keep it you know, somewhat condensed, keep it to the point, but I would love to get some of your memories of the Nintendo 64, the launch, your N64 games, if you get what I'm saying from this episode and from the previous ones, the games that you played a lot. And you can also send in an MP3. Maybe you like, let's go like 128 kbps some decent quality mp3 action keep it under five minutes and i'm going to put those into the episode for next time so i want you guys participating i want to hear you guys on the show you guys have some incredible memories too i know from the emails that i get from you from the tweets and all that stuff and now i've been talking for six and a half minutes i need to shut up and get into this show thank you so much for listening hopefully there was some good music behind me as i was talking Let's get into some Super Nintendo memories. Thank you so much, guys. You're the best. I love this show. Video games are great. Retro video games are the best. Let's go do it. Super Nintendo right now. everyone we're here for another super nintendo 25th anniversary special for the north american crowd we have a fantastic guest on and we just recorded a great extended patreon segment about 30 minutes just on the sega cd and lots of other great stuff for uh the patreon folks thank you so much for for supporting the show at patreon.com slash back in my play that's greg seward greg how are you good thanks for having me is it weird, like when we do multiple like shows and segments, and I need to ask you how are you again? Yeah, I know it's it's uh yeah, it's it's magic. So um it's it's not like 
Yeah. Anyways, the the thing that I wanted to get Greg on for is he has like a little bit of a unique perspective because I like you know I'm trying to get as many people on for for this series that have you know been regular contributors to the show um, or just people that I really want to to talk to about this stuff and uh, I think it's obviously an interesting you know coming from an interesting angle for for Greg because you're you're kind of known as the the Sega guy um you don't maybe necessarily get enough credit for your actual you know play time on the Super Nintendo console and your knowledge of the platform itself and for your time back uh in the day on that console as well so i'm kind of curious just to start off like you know when did you get into the Super Nintendo stuff because obviously you know you had to put that money that would go to a Super Nintendo towards a friggin' Sega CD. So when did you end up getting a Super Nintendo? I think I probably got a Super Nintendo in 90. I'm going to say 93. That's not too late. No. That's uh, like the best may, years. Maybe, or maybe it might've been early 94, but I think it was 93. Um, yeah. I, and I was into it right from the start because I mean, I had a Genesis. Uh, I was a Nintendo kid growing up. Like, I was NES all the way. Like, I tried the Master System and I thought it sucked um, because I had a Nintendo. Uh, and the thing was is that I was getting so um, antsy for a Super Nintendo and they kept delaying it and kept delaying it and kept de- – not delaying it. I shouldn't say that. But it just – it was taking forever and the Genesis was out there. And I started renting the Genesis once in a while, and I kind of fell in love with the games. It's like, I'm getting a Genesis. Mm-hmm. Screw Nintendo. But I was still into it when it came out because, you know, I was 14, 15, 15 when it came out. Um, so, I mean, I had a friend who, you know, I had a couple of friends that all we did was play video games together. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we were all Nintendo kids. And they would come down to my place to play Genesis because they didn't have one. But one of my best friends got a Super Nintendo on launch day. And, I mean, I was at his place every weekend anyway. So, I mean, we were playing Super Nintendo from the week it came out. Like, I was playing Super Castlevania 4 and Super Mario World and F-Z- I loved F-Zero. So, I mean, I was really familiar with the system right from the start. I just didn't own one. We just went and rented new games for it every week. I I, I had F-Zero in not 24 hours ago, uh, booted up, and blows me away how well that game still holds up today oh, and how much man. of a it's, blast it still is it is aged so well i usually play that like once or twice a year like right through yeah like you you can you can pick it up and there's plenty of difficulty levels so you can start you can just like stay up again the whole time and just you know have a blast going through through all the tracks and uh listening to the the outstanding soundtrack like just even the 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 first time you put that thing on like those trumpets that you kind of hear getting ready for the race is really it is just magical. It's just so good. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I was I was into it right from the start because I mean, I don't know what it was like where you were, but here it was really hard to rent Genesis games. There was like one or two places in the city that had them, and of course, I didn't have a car, mm-hmm. um, so I had a Genesis and I was buying Genesis games, but you couldn't really rent them. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, like I said, this my friend Dave was his name. Um, we would go rent Nintendo games every weekend. And then when he got a Super Nintendo, we just rent Super Nintendo games every weekend. Because oh, they were I, everywhere. <laughs> I didn't know. Okay, sorry. I didn't know if you're... Uh, I, I was kind of looking some stuff up real quick because <laughs> I wanted to to make sure I had the, the facts in front of me. But um, 
And and also it's it's just weird like even even the logo and the look of the game like still hold up really well like that awesome angled <laughs> logo you know showing off that mode seven even on the box itself, um, but this is a series that clearly did not it did not have a ton of legs. We got a couple games, of course, on the the Game Boy Advance and then also on the the GameCube, but then they just did not sell. Uh, well enough, of course, the Nintendo 64, just so I make sure I got my facts right. Um, it, it is really a, a shame that that, Although, that franchise kind of died off. We missed out on a couple because, I mean, there was, there, I think there was an F-Zero 2 on the satellite system. Uh, there was one on the DD. There was one on the DD, but uh, there was also one on the, the Satellaview, I think. Yep, that sounds right. We were actually, Peter Brown and I were talking about that on a previous segment. You can uh, yeah. get it in a repro now, I believe. Yeah, I keep meaning. That's one of the ones I keep meaning to grab because I was such a huge fan. And then, of course, you got to remember that Sega did an arcade game that came to the GameCube as well. Right. right? Um, holy crap! All right, so this is this is like perfect timing for this stuff. Just not to go on an F Zero side trip, but why not? It's back in my play. So the, uh, um, you know, who was messing around with that recently? Maybe okay. I don't know if it was F Zero or if it was, and I kind of want to go through his history right now to see what it was, but Mike Micah was messing around with getting either F-Zero, the arcade game, or the Mario Kart arcade game running on a GameCube. Yeah, we know it's probably F-Zero because the, the version that came out on the GameCube was different from the arcade game, the actual arcade game, but the arcade game is on the GameCube disc. Gotcha. Okay. So you can mess around with it and actually play the arcade game on your GameCube. That's right. They found that a couple years ago. How cr- yeah. Man, the internet can be awesome sometimes and people can be great. So thank you for being awesome <laughs> when you, you know, if you're one of those great people. Um, so outside of like F-Zero, I mean, what were the things that were calling you saying like, I need to to get this console. Like these are games that I absolutely need to have. So I'm going to figure out a way to get a Super Nintendo. Well, I mean, I was a Mario fan, but it didn't really, uh, Mario World is a great game. It didn't really do a whole hell of a lot for me when it came out. Mm. Um Castlevania 4 was a huge seller for me. That was one of the games that I was like, oh my God, I need to have this. Uh, and what are your Final thoughts on that game today? I love it. I'm still a huge fan of it. I'm on, I'm on stage eight right now, and it is... It like Once you get to stage six, and hopefully, I don't know, I, don't, I think this is going to come out after the, the episode that I do on Super Castlevania 4, but um, holy smokes, does that game just like ramp up after, after like stage five, like six... Seven and eight get uh, a little bit nuts, but it's still it's still not like a hard Castlevania game. Yeah, and the thing I love about that, and it's the same reason why I really love uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, although I haven't really, I, I don't really have as fond memories about that game. You're and super lo- over over uh, Ghouls and Ghosts on the Genesis. There, but I'm sorry, you're asking if there's a different Ghouls and Ghosts game. No, I'm, I'm I'm saying, are you do you, you like the Super Ghouls? And oh Ghosts no, versus I Ghouls prefer, and Ghosts? prefer the Genesis game. Okay, thank God. Um, but what I was getting at is that there's that great era of Super Nintendo, which was like the first year where all the big publishers like Capcom and Konami and Nintendo themselves totally. um, were like taking advantage of all the graphic yeah. uh, tricks that you could do. like Every mode. I mean, yeah, like, like Super Castlevania 4 is basically a tech demo for the system. You know, and it's to the point that they're pushing it so hard, and there's some terrible slowdown in that game. But it's it's just so good and so creative. Like I, I fell in love with it. The Act Racer was another one that I fell in love with right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but yeah. for me, I think probably the tipping point was Final Fantasy three. 
Um, we had rented Final Fantasy two immediately, and and that was a game that me and uh, my buddy who had the Super Nintendo basically stayed up for forty eight hours to finish because mm-hmm. we'd rented it for the weekend, had to take it back. Well, no, we're going to finish it. Um, but then when Final Fantasy three was coming out, like that was. I believe that was the tipping point. I, there was already a lot of stuff I really liked on the Super Nintendo. I'd saved some money. It's like, now's the time. I'm going to get a Super Nintendo in Final Fantasy III. You, you mentioned the the slowdown. This was like kind of slowdown across the board, and whether it be Super Ghouls and Ghosts or Super Castlevania. Um, but that back then, like that, that just means like this game's so good, it's slowing down the console. Like that's how good it is, but today, if it's sub thirty, developers are lazy, man. Yeah, I didn't. I honestly didn't feel that way back in the day because remember I was a Genesis kid at that point. So that was actually like, the, look at all this stuff on the screen. And say like, yeah, the Genesis doesn't do that as much. Oh, guess what? I finally have been scrolling forever, and I finally found the uh, thing. And you're right. No, he got um, Mike. Micah got. Mario Kart GP Arcade running on a modified GameCube. Really? Oh, okay, cool. I thought you meant that it was something that was actually in a disc that... Because the F-Zero thing, yeah, was just that they unlocked it basically in the disc. He's a he's a genius. That's uh, that's why he makes video games for a living. There like you go. all you guys. All you guys are geniuses for making video games for a living. <laughs> um, now, CJ and I are producers. We're not geniuses. What what is it? What does that mean? That means we get everyone else to do the work and we take credit. You you organize everyone and make sure everyone's on task and making yeah, you're, sure. You're, yeah, you're you're driving. Well, it means a lot of different things, but generally, it's your driving project. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. There's a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Uh, primarily, like there's there's a huge gap in between the release of the Super NES and today, approximately 25 years. So. Since then, like, let's put this in the context of after, like, the Super Nintendo was done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of curious, were, were there any games that you kind of discovered after, you know, we've already moved on to the PlayStation, the Saturn, and the N64, where you're like, oh, my God, this, this I had no idea what this game was. It's absolutely fantastic. How did I miss this when it was actually out? Not so much, um, because near the end of that, whole time i was getting into my uh my 20s mm-hmm. so and i had a job so i you had, had cash disposable income yeah so plus i was working in video game stores mm-hmm. so you know like if a new an interesting new super nintendo game came out i'd try it um yeah so later on not so much although one of the things that i've kind of gotten into in the last few years especially where you can get rom rom hacks with english translations um is stuff like you know, like the Dragon Quests that came out that never came out mm-hmm. in the U.S. Um, Terra Enigma is one that I picked up that I've never actually played yet. But you know, like oh, dude, you hear so about a good. bunch of really cool games that didn't actually come here, mm-hmm. and like that's kind of what I'm looking at now. Although, like I say, man, I can plug in my Super Nintendo and plug in like F Zero or Act Razor or Super Castlevania Four, just like the launch games, put and in just the launch be, games. yeah, just be so happy. Like they, they were so good. Like the, yeah, the early games on that system. I mean, a lot of games on that system were great, but the early games on that system have held up super well. Have your kids picked up any of the the Super Nintendo stuff? Did they 
do they find that stuff attractive or is it just kind of like that's too old? My son's really the only one that's into into playing console games. Mm-hmm. And um, he, when I showed him uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, he lost it. He yeah, just thought it was the that. greatest <laughs> thing ever. Right. I mean, how could you not? You know, um, but otherwise, no, he's not into sort of. Uh, he always bug. He always makes fun of me for playing those. Daddy, why do you play all those pixely games? Hey, fair enough. And then he wants to play Minecraft. So what does he know? Right. Uh, I you got to get him hooked on Dragon Quest Builders next month. Yeah, that'll be that'll yeah, be a cool. That's not a bad idea. That'd be a cool introduction to Dragon Quest, and then you can have him play all the boring parts where you do all the cool RPG parts. Um, so uh, along with like all this stuff, like you mentioned the repro stuff, and that's definitely something I want to hit on. Uh, with with this discussion but uh you you just talked about it a second ago uh briefly but what are the games that you know outside of like the f-zero the super super castlevania like the stuff that you just mentioned like the games that you kind of go back to on a a regular like almost like yearly basis and not just like boot it up in an emulator for five minutes but actually you know i'm gonna sit down and play with this for an hour or two hours or three hours or i'm gonna go all the way through i mean i've gone i've gone back and played through like final fantasy four and six um Played through Final Fantasy V. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I can pick up like Mega Man X. I can play Mega Man X all day. Mm-hmm. Um, Mega Man and uh, Mega Man and Base, I actually got a repro of, but I haven't played, put a whole lot of time into that. Um, but I was so glad to get it because, you know, I have the Game Boy Advance game, but so mm-hmm. much nicer to be playing it on a Super Nintendo, obviously. Um, I don't know, man. There's just Mario Kart. I can pick up and play Mario Kart forever. Is that your uh, favorite Mario Kart? No, Mario Kart 8 definitely took that. Uh, and I would say that I was a big fan of 64, um, mostly because I played so much multiplayer and had so mm-hmm. much fun playing multiplayer that I, I really got into it. Although when I started uh, rooming with Greg Ford, he ruined multiplayer for me because I had no idea that you could power slide and gain, and gain boost. Jeez, Greg. And neither did any of the people I played with. So I thought I was really good at Mario Kart 64 multiplayer. And then Greg Ford just trashed me and Shane Bettenhausen. The three of us were rooming together. And uh, he ruined Mario Kart 64 for me. Well, they must have helped elevate you, like you know, playing on a on a team of great players. You elevate your your <laughs> right. skill level to try to meet their meet their rising and, tide and all that. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, and Act Razor is another one that I can just put in and play. What about two? Forever. I hated two. Really? Oh God, I hated two. What's wrong with two? I uh, it was too hard. Okay. I didn't like the controls. I just I've, didn't, I've I never didn't like anything it about it. Yeah, I didn't like anything about it. Um, I, I'm sure I, if I, I'm sure if I went and looked at my shelf, I could, I could rattle off another ten games for the system that I just love playing. Um, I can go back and play Donkey Kong Country all day. So um, you, that, that was another question I've asked that to everyone: is is Donkey Kong Country good? Yeah, I think it's a good game. I mean, it's not Mario. But I think it's a good game. I really enjoyed playing it. The only thing with Donkey Kong Country I find is that because of – I personally have never been – I shouldn't say never. Right after Donkey Kong Country, I was not a fan of, oh, my God, everything has to be a pre-rendered CG sprite mm-hmm. forever. And Sega was one of the worst offenders for that. Like if you look <laughs> – Right. Right? Like if you look starting with like Sonic 3D Blast especially – Vector Man, as Vector Man, I found looked decent, but then you get into Batman like, Returns, yeah, and then you get into all that stuff, and like then you get into the Saturn, and even through all the Saturn, they were doing that as well, and it's just infuriating. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Donkey Kong Country, when it came out, was gorgeous, obviously. Sounded great, looked great. I thought it played fine. It has not aged well. And I don't mean from a huh. gameplay standpoint. I mean mm-hmm. from a visual standpoint. Even if you're running it through like a Frame Master, if you're not playing that on a CRT, it doesn't right. look good. It just doesn't look good. This um, is this is we're getting to the point where I've done a hundred episodes of this show, roughly with all like the interviews and stuff. And I don't know I think I've I think we did an episode on Donkey Kong Country. I don't so know I'm, if I was in it or not, but I'm I'm looking no, I didn't. I I played through it recently though, and I really enjoyed it. I yeah, like I said, I and I have fond memories of it that that Christmas because that was um that happened sort of right around the time like again with Final Fantasy three like one of the things that I really made sure of when I got my Sega CD and then my Super Nintendo was I had a stereo system mm-hmm. right. I mean it was a cheap little stereo system in my bedroom under my little CRT television. But I pumped those systems through a stereo. Hell yeah. And like, I mean, Final Fantasy III sounded amazing. Everything on the Sega CD sounded amazing. And Donkey Kong Country had a fantastic soundtrack. And it they sounded all, all so three of them do. good. Yeah. It sounded so good. Um, so good that Nintendo released them on CD for people that, you know, subscribe to Nintendo Power. You could order them right. through the Nintendo Power order, uh, order form. Yeah. So, but I mean, as far as discovering things after the fact, I moved on to the next generation of consoles pretty rapidly because, again, <laughs> you, being you a had Sega money. kid, <laughs> yeah, and being a Sega kid, and then we had the surprise launch of the Saturn. I dropped mm-hmm. a ton of money on the Saturn right away, and that was like my primary console. I remember that. Oh years. my god! Yeah, what was it? Six hundred bucks, something like that. Jeez, um, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know what? No one has brought up, and I played this a little bit tonight. Uh, Super Punch Out. Yeah, I thought Super Punch-Out was okay. I still like the first one more. Yeah, Super Punch-Out's pretty easy, mm. which is yeah. a little bit of a, a bummer. Um, outside of outside of that, like the other things that I was kind of a surprise that people didn't bring up, and and these are like these are the games, and I haven't really talked about this since I've been only asking other people's stuff, but uh, since we have a, a minute or two, um, no, no one bringing up Sunset Riders, which is a shame. Sunset Rider, was Sunset Riders on the Super Nintendo? Probably. Oh, see, I didn't even remember. It was on the Genesis. I knew that. Oh, it sucks on the Genesis. Contra it's... 3. Contra 3. That's one I didn't bring up. Contra 3. My is... God, that game was good. And it's hard as hell. I cannot play it's that game. so good. It's so hard. Um, And uh, where were the other ones? Um, No one's brought up uh, Dracula X, which I, I guess just... like just no one, no one bought it. Dracula X on the Super Nintendo wasn't great. It's not good. But it's no. it's it's okay. Um, it's still some. It's still kind of Castlevania. It has some weird like extra areas in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and outside of that, uh, demons demons crest was another one that I was you know. Yep. A lot of people didn't Although bring up. I liked I liked Gargoyles Quest more, but sure. Demons Crest was still really good. Uh, and then finally, and this is kind of bummed me out. I think uh, one person brought it up, but. Uh, Star Fox. I think Star Fox is a hell of a game, and I think it is. Uh, I think it might be. I'm going to say this carefully. I think it might be the best soundtrack on the console. Listen, that is pull, an interesting stance. Pull, pull up, pull up, and I want everyone to do this. You find some time, and maybe just pull over if you're in the car. Pull over and just listen to the Star Fox soundtrack on like YouTube or something. You're gonna like. Man, this this music's still like rad. Like I still listen to it all the time when I'm doing work and stuff. It is, it's it's really good because the only contenders I really have for it are 
you know, a couple like Link to the Past, which really doesn't have a lot of tracks in it. It's still good. I'm more of a Link Between Worlds guy. I can totally, you know, that supersedes it these days. Um, yeah. Okay. And then, then outside of that, like there are the the, the Square and the Enix games, like your Final mm-hmm. Fantasies or your your Secret of Mana's um, or your your Chrono Triggers. And I, th- I think Chrono Trigger is a decent soundtrack. And um, Actraiser. Actraiser had an incredible soundtrack. It's like worthy of a CD release, which is a shame. Another Yuzo joint. Yeah, I mean, one of the few games that he worked on uh, for for the console itself. He was very much still in the Sega Sega camp back mm-hmm. then, and now he's basically all Nintendo games, all 3DS games is what he does these days. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, the thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I go. The music for Star Fox was good. Don't get me wrong. Pull but when I think amazing music on Super Nintendo, I immediately go to like Final Fantasy VI or it's or but that Act stuff's all the friggin' same. Like all the Final Fantasy music, it just what? does not have it does not have um it just it just does not feel unique to me. Like I have those soundtracks on C D. Like I have a three C D Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy I, I would probably pick four over six just because I played through four on the PSP and I like you have that you have special associations with music based on oh, your sure. experiences with the game and mm-hmm. um, like I, I played through Star Fox whatever we did an episode like a year ago and I just thought it was uh, so good it, it it holds up so well and it is just the perfect music to complement the the action and to enhance what is a twenty frames per second game uh, by making it feel a little bit more. Uh, stressful, a little bit more, uh, you know, crazy. So, I don't know. So, and also, like I said, the Enix games, like the Soul Blazer, like Terranigma. Terranigma on its soundtrack alone is worth checking out. It's Terranigma might be the best soundtrack on the console. Yes, yeah, see, I need to, that's that's one of my repros I need to, and I still need to get um, cartridges of the other F-Zero and um, the Zelda stuff that was on the Satella view as well. BS Zelda. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's worth picking up, but give a maybe give it a look in an emulator before you go pick it up. Um, all right, so any other kind of final thoughts on the the Super Nintendo uh, for you? Of course, it's uh, second best sixteen sixteen bit system. Is that is that behind the <laughs> the Turbo Graphics? No, nah, Turbo Graphics wasn't really sixteen bit. No, there's two separate eight bit processors. Yeah, whatever. Eight that's, plus eight that's like equals calling 16. A jag, that's like calling the Jaguar 64 bit. Doesn't yeah, make any 16 sense. 16 plus 16 plus 16 plus 16 is 64. <laughs> Four 16 bit processors in that thing. Or whatever Doesn't that it was. make the Saturn 64 bit then? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to go. We'll have to do the math. Blew your mind. Um, Abarting thoughts. I mean, it's probably the same thing that everyone else has said. It was one of the greatest systems ever made and it had one of the greatest libraries, it had some of the greatest games ever made. It's. You know, I mean, and I I personally love games from the early '90s. Uh, Sixty, I think the 16-bit era was amazing. It was sort of like the um, it it was the zenith of sort of that pixel-based 2D game. You know, and there was a little bit of um, a little bit of moving into the 3D space, like you said, with things like with things like Star Fox and uh, things like virtual racing and and, and all that. Um, but I just I'm I am crazy nostalgic for 16-bit games, and I think it's uh, to have Nintendo at the top of their game at that point 
you know, not to mention Capcom and Konami and Square and Enix. And there were just, there were a lot of masterpieces released on that system. Uh, last thing, I've been playing through uh, AM2R, and I know he, you have been too. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts? Oh, God, I didn't even mention Super Metroid. That's ridiculous. That's okay. Everyone knows it. Thoughts on it? It's great to play another game that's right cut right out of the same cloth as Super Metroid. It's so, so, so yeah. good. It's I mean, so the good. only if, if I have any complaint, and I wouldn't even call it a complaint, is that the music isn't quite up to... Music's awesome. It's It's good. But it's not like, you know, you look at that and you're thinking Super Metroid, so you're kind of expecting that that level, which is just a step what? above. I think I think the Game Boy this Metro Two Game Boy soundtrack is maybe the best music on the Game Boy outside of like Final Fantasy Adventure and Link's Awakening. I I mean I, I'm not gonna argue that because I've never really played Metroid Two in the Game Boy. Well, so there's a couple of good like the Game Boy had a badass sound processor for a while. Oh hell yeah. Like you mentioned Final Fantasy Adventure. The, like you go listen to the music in that. Dude. The stereo the stereo separation they used on a lot of Game Boy games, like yeah, if, you, stereo. if you did not exactly if you didn't listen to Game Boy games with headphones, you were right. missing out. Hey man, they included the the two shittiest earbuds in history. People think Apple includes bad earbuds. Go go find a pair and of Game still Boy amazing. earbuds. Yeah. I think those were Sony earbuds too. Oh probably. I'm going to have to go research that. Um, all right. Well, outside of that, you guys can find Greg at uh, the Player One Podcast every single week where he talks about new video games with CJ, uh, Phil, and Ethan Einhorn. And you can also support him by going to generation-16.com. Become a Patreon supporter on there. You can support the show on a per-episode basis just like this episode and if you do support this episode on a per episode basis in this show you're getting an extra 30 minutes at some point uh whenever this stuff comes out maybe a little bit later in the week with uh greg and i riffing about the sega cd which is actually was a pretty good conversation i think so i think it's it'll be a good prelude to when we do a full sega cd episode of uh, back in my play <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm just like i'm dipping my toe into the water and i just you know it's cold, man. Like the Sega CD, I feel like it's cold like death, and I and I, I really feel like I feel I mean, my my voice is cracking. <laughs> I feel like what we need to do is set up a playlist for you, get you all set up, and then do like a video slash like a Skype video or or a hangout or something where we can talk about these games in real time. Uh, maybe maybe we'll do, maybe we could do a YouTube reaction video. There you go. That's that's right, right? Because I have a YouTube channel now too. Um, yeah, I'm looking at these headphones. They're not uh, branded. It looks like, which is uh, a shame. But also, they sold them boxed in Japan. The headphones separately. Really? That's rad. It's interesting. The DMG O two was so good. It was man. The Game Boy is underappreciated, man. The the audio visual in that system, like the the the, the sprite work in those games was lost on that crappy screen. But mm-hmm. you look at that stuff Dude, now and it's you get like, a Game Boy man. Pocket. Get a Game Boy Pocket, get a Super Game Boy, like a Super Game Boy plus a bunch of Game Boy games or just get like a, get a <clears throat> EverDrive and like, you know, throw a bunch of Game Boy games on there and have a blast. Like there's like the Wario games, the Super, like we did an episode on Super Mario Land 2. I think that was with Peter Brown. Like, man, that game is still incredible. So good. Oh yeah, I mean you could go on and on about good Game Boy games. Awesome soundtrack and like Pokemon's okay. So 
That is going to do it for, for this segment. Thank you so much for continuing to help us celebrate 25 years of the Super Nintendo. And the final word is that the Super Famicom from Japan is the best-looking home hardware ever. Nothing competes to it. Um, nothing really comes close. Maybe the Slim PS2. Maybe the launch PS4. That was very impressive. Um, I'm not going to argue that the Super Famicom is a pretty sexy piece of hardware. And unfortunately, we can't go back in time and stop them from remodeling it for the mm-hmm. North America. Uh, yes. Well, if you find time travel, let us know and we'll go do that first. Another awesome segment for the 25th anniversary of the Super Nintendo here in North America. And I got a new voice for you guys here today. A new voice for at least this show, but you've also been on a foreplay. That's kind of like, that's almost like kind of our weird connection is through 8 foreplay and like back of my play and all that stuff. And that's Jason Bento of, I guess I should say, YouTube Gaming. That's right. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Not too bad. Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> well, we got to, um, I mean, we have talked about doing this for like a long time, not just like, you know, getting you on the show, but also just because when, you know, we've had some pretty epic hauls through, <laughs> actually, maybe more you, but, um, you know, definitely maybe it was the first time that we met up about two years ago. Uh, I definitely brought it as well and had some pretty heavy bags with me as I went back to the hotel. But um, you and I have done quite a bit of shopping through uh, Akihabara and, and Shinjuku and uh, Shibuya to uh, Nakano to, to pick up old retro games. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and talk about um, some great Super Famicom games that you should probably look at importing if you want to have some good games that don't require a lot of Japanese or maybe just some like weird ass Japanese games that are going to be worth uh, picking up. And of course, we're going to talk about Jason's memories of the Super Nintendo and the Super Famicom. I guess mostly the the Super Nintendo though. So, um, so yeah, tell tell me a little bit about just like kind of your history with the system. Did you get it at launch? Like, did you get it with a couple games? When did you get it? Uh, I got it for Christmas. Um, I think I was around five, and it was actually my first console. Um, I didn't never got an NES or an Atari, just because uh, my parents never wanted me to play video games. But then, you know, my parents got separated, and uh, my dad really wanted to show off, so he got me a. Super Nintendo for Christmas for me. Sorry, I was muting myself for for a second. I was I was trying to reply to a phone call, try to make it look super smooth, but that's not something that you can really do in, <laughs> in this uh, you know day of recording. But um, you know that's like kind of like a cool parallel to to what I had growing up a little bit with like you know the parents getting divorced and it's like that first Christmas after the divorce is like that's when all bets are off. Like you could get like hell, dude. I got. I got a Game Gear. Like, I didn't even ask Whoa, for it. They just, like... That, that's nice. <laughs> right? Like, they were just like, let's just find something that, you know, is going to keep this kid busy and, you know, not, you know, 
keep them happy and out of trouble and stuff and yeah and not uh, hate me basically <laughs> right so i you know i got yeah. a, you know that was christmas of i remember this so well christmas of 93 got a game gear friggin' linked to the past it was like the best christmas of all time so good um did did you did you like have a bunch of games for the system like what were your go-tos for that you know console back then so when i got my um my Super Nintendo, my dad actually got me uh, Turtles in Time and, uh, you know, came with Mario, of course. Whoa, okay. Yeah, it's something I look back and I'm like, I really should have kept that cart. <laughs> oh, the Turtles it, in Time. Yeah, yeah, I really should have kept that thing because uh, now they're really expensive to, to try to get one. But yeah, uh, at the time I was very into Ninja Turtles. I'm sure like he was sweeping the world and it was nice of him, of, of him like actually thinking like oh he'd actually be into Ninja Turtles game so mm-hmm. that was actually the first game I played I didn't play Mario that was Ninja Turtles were was the first game I powered up I remember vividly like that intro uh, cutscene was super epic as a kid mm-hmm. yeah it was like watching the the TV show oh exactly yeah and then actually like taking control of you know my favorite turtle uh michelangelo and actually like beating up foot guys mm. you know that was pretty epic and i think from there really solidified to me like video games are pretty damn cool <laughs> yeah, i mean they're all right um so when when at that time that was your first console you didn't have like a genesis or anything like that before that you said you had like an atari but that's like kind of about it uh, no, I actually had never had a console before. Oh, you know, wow. Go That's over, a good place uh, to start. I used to go to friends' houses and like check out their NES and mm-hmm. whatnot. But this was like my first and like first gateway drug to, you know, getting into video games. When, um, you know, like the, the cool thing about the, the, the area that we're in today is that we can kind of go back and, and find uh, a couple games or actually before we get into that, like, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, back then you had your, your go-to games of like, you know, turtle t- turtles in time or like super Mario world and stuff like that. But you know, there are some games that you, you don't really go back to that often. I'm kind of curious, are there any, you know, games today that you just are constantly like, you still go back to like, it's not to just like load it up on an emulator and play for a couple minutes, but like you actually sit down and like put in like an hour, two hours, three hours into it. Uh, I think one of them is uh, Mega Man X uh, is one of those games that that was actually my first intro to Mega Man. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's my favorite Mega Man. I'm not super fan of the older ones, uh, but Mega Man X has like a special place in my heart just because it was my first Mega Man experience. And uh, that's a game that I can always go back and just play and love that music. It's so nostalgic of like the time having that, uh, you know, Super Nintendo and just being able to like escape and be in like a sci-fi world with this cool little robot. Jeez, sorry, Muhammad, if you're listening, uh, you know. Yeah, sorry, Muhammad, yes. A, a man that has like a wall full of Mega Man and Rockman paraphernalia. Yes, uh, you know, but you know, it, it was... Usually, when you fall in love with something, it's. It, I hear you. You know, I gotcha. it, you know. Sadly, I didn't have a you know a NES, so I didn't. I was never exposed to Mega Man X to, until Mega Man X came out. Yeah, I'm surprised that like it was. It was a weird time of like starting to see some remakes to a certain extent. Um, you know, they had that like Ninja Gaiden trilogy. You had Super Mario All Stars. It probably would have made sense to do some kind of 
you know, Mega Man collection for the the Super Nintendo or for the Super Famicom, but obviously they they never pulled the trigger on that. Instead, they did weird things like Mega Man Soccer and Rockman and Bass. Yes, exactly. Uh, I also played that soccer game. It was pretty great. <laughs> Mega Man Soccer, is, it, it is totally, totally all right. Um, but, like, you know, outside of that, like, uh, are there any... Um, and, like, Mega Man X is, like, kind of a weird game because for some reason, like, I really love the NES games, but I cannot get into Mega Man X. Like, I just... I don't know what it is, but I just don't... Um, not that I don't like it. It's that... It doesn't like grab me. It doesn't seem like something special. It seems like almost like a ripoff of Mega Man, which I know it sounds super bad, but um, I don't know. Maybe I just need to kind of like get through six and then give X like a real shot, do an episode or something. Yeah, I guess for me, just why I gravitate to it so much again, it's just it was my first Mega Man experience, but also that first level just really makes it feel like a TV show. There's like a prologue of like what's kind of going on and then you meet uh, X after. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it really sets up the stage of like what's happening. And, you know, from there it just goes into that, you know, boss selection. And to me that that is, you know, my quintessential like Mega Man needs to have these types of traits in them. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, I, again, it, it is, it's just, I rented it a couple times, but I totally, like, you need to kind of get into a groove with a Mega Man game. Like, for me today, when I play them for the show, like, I, I don't try to figure out the boss order. I just go to GameFAQs. I figure out the boss order because it's, you know, it's more enjoyable for me if I kind of, like, don't have to troubleshoot how to, how to play the game. So maybe I will, I'll go back to it. And I, and I ended up getting pretty far in, um, Maverick Hunter X on the PSP, uh, which is pretty fun, but um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't get it. I haven't given it the respect it probably does deserve. And I'm sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I've only played uh, Mega Man X and X2, so I haven't played any of the PlayStation versions or PSP versions yet. But do you have? Do you have? Um, you have X2 and you have X3. No, I only have X. Uh, X2 and 3 were something that I could never find in the wild. That's a good that we'll put that on the list of things to pick up in uh you know Japan for the Super Famicom because they're like they're not cheap but they're not $100 like they are here in the states they're like 30 bucks or 25 bucks for Mega Man X or Rockman X 2 and 3. Uh so let's start the list there. Um definitely. And the other game that I just constantly go back is actually Street Fighter. Really? Uh, two like which 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 Street flavor? Fighter 2 Turbo is the the one I usually go for. Um because that's actually my first video game experience was playing uh, Street Fighter in the arcade. Mm, and that's like, that's jeez. That's a good one too. Like, you know, first, you know, thing that you're owning is a Super Nintendo, like first games are Mario World and Turtles in Time. Jeez, man. First arcade game is Street Fighter 2 like arguably the best games. <laughs> ever oh definitely yeah and like with street fire i remember vividly like not being able to actually reach the controls mm-hmm. so it's something that i remember like it towering over me but still wanting to play that awesome cool fighting game is that still your favorite like flavor like if you if you were gonna play street fighter today it's not like you know 
Super Street Fighter 2. It's not like the arcade version. It's not like the Porsche of the Saturn. It's not like any of the PlayStation 1s. It's Street Fighter 2 Turbo on the SNES. Uh, no, for me, it's uh, Third Strike is my favorite uh, Street Fighter game. All right. All on right. the Dreamcast. <laughs> Uh, respect there um i i I think my like i don't play because i i own street fighter 2 turbo like late in the super nintendo like we bought it from funko land so it was definitely like a late maybe like a like 94 or 95 we picked it up and uh so i played a lot of it back then but my go-to like if i had a super famicom or super nintendo in front of me and i had a choice of any cart it would be for street fighter would be just the weird ass Street Fighter Alpha Two for that for that console. It's like it's surprisingly good. Yeah, it's super good. There isn't a lot of slowdown, uh, which is great. And you know those supers were pretty cool. Uh, being able to run that on a Super Nintendo. But who needs PlayStation? Who needs Sega Saturn? Exactly. Yeah, but it's still not my favorite. I guess offshoot of Street Fighter. To me, it's just a little too weird and zany for me. I own too many copies of Street Fighter Alpha 2. Um, no, actually, there there is no such thing as too many copies of Street Fighter Alpha 2. Um, so, you know, you get to... And we've had all these years in between, like, the launch and, like, to the point where we actually start making money and we have jobs. And, like, you know, for, for you and I going to Japan a bunch, like, you get access to a huge, wide range of games that you may have not known about, or even just like, thanks to the internet, people are saying like, Hey, like here's this kind of hidden gem on, you know, the super Nintendo or the super Famicom. Like it's something that you should, you know, check out. There's kind of like an endless list of, of like B tier, not published by Nintendo, not published, you know, by a huge publisher, sometimes games, um, or even just like games that you completely missed out on. I'm kind of curious if there's any games that you kind of discover like super late, like going into, you know, past the year 2000 to like 2010 where, you know, you finally were able to get a, get your hands on this game and, and try it out and find like, holy crap, it's like, I, this game's incredible. Yeah, um, I guess the the one that comes to mind right away, it's, it's called The Fireman. It came out in, in Japan and I think in Europe. Human Entertainment. Human Entertainment, yeah. It's a really... When you look at it at first glance, you're like, what the hell, a Fireman game? This cannot be fun. Mm. But it's actually super addictive, like, you know, considering what you're doing. And it has, like, this kind of diehard-esque feeling to it as mm-hmm. well. Totally. And, you know, it's it's one of those, like, quirky Japanese games that, you know, we don't see very often and it's one of those that i just like remember vividly like going on the internet and like what the hell is this and being able to actually try it out and being like okay this is actually a really damn good game that you know, that reminds me of um a, a game that i saw a couple times in arcades but really only saw it in um only saw it in like the what was it called at, like disney world they had this thing this like huge building that you could go to in downtown Disney or Orlando that had like all these arcade games. You could just, you know, pay a fee and you could play as much as you want or whatever. But, um, you know, the Sega produced a kind of like a light gun firefighter game called, um, it is called, I just had it in front of me, uh, brave firefighters, uh, which is a two person, like almost light gun game where both, both people have a, you know, fire hose. You have to put out these fires kind of like you're playing, time crisis or you know um didn't they put that out i, I think i've yes. played that before yeah yeah it's 
again, one of those quirky Japanese games that, you know, you would think would never work, but actually work pretty well. And if, I mean, you're in California, there's one on sale on eBay right now for just $2,500 and you can just kind of bring that up into the apartment and be good to go. Um, yeah, if I had the space for that, but no, <laughs> I don't have space for that, especially in California where rent is super expensive. Yeah, fair enough. Fine. You know, San Francisco, that, that place will eventually have its rent prices go down once there's some kind of financial collapse, I'm sure. Just write it out. Yeah, totally. I'm totally going to write it out, but we'll I don't see. think so. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, YouTube and Google are not going anywhere anytime soon, so uh, hopefully it'll be good. Um, so, you know, al- along with that, is is there kind of like anything else that you, you know even found like on some of your recent trips to Japan that you finally got to pick up a copy of and be like, oh my God, like this is like really damn good? Uh, I think it's probably Mario uh Super Mario Picross or Mario Super Picross. Uh, I think that's the Japanese title and mm-hmm. it's just I guess the first Picross game that uh, Nintendo developed and it's actually really really good. And it's it's not so expensive either. I found my copy for like 10 bucks or something. Yeah. It's and it's you don't need any English so like it's it's just a Picross game if you like Picross. On your TV. <laughs> There's a weird amount of, uh, like, a weird high number of just games that Nintendo never brought over, like, that aren't even, like, weird games. It just, just didn't bring them over, like, even there was the, the Mario and Wario game that supported the uh, Super Nintendo mouse that didn't come over here. We had very few mouse-enabled Super Nintendo games, and Nintendo just kind of left that one back in Japan. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Definitely. So uh, let's let's talk while well, we have a couple more minutes. Um, we'll use this as an opportunity to talk a little bit about like the current state of uh, retro gaming in Japan because I haven't talked about that on the show and you know maybe maybe a year or so. I think I might have talked about it a little bit after I came back uh, when we last saw each other in mm-hmm. April or something like that. So um, I'm I'm kind of curious like how how do you feel about the and this is like I feel like we need to kind of talk about this because. There are there's so much hyperbole when it comes to people talking about this stuff, saying like Akihabara's dried up. There's no games there anymore, which is like complete crap. I agree. I think just, if you're just looking at Super Potato, then yeah, sure. Um, but if you're looking elsewhere, you know, like places like Friends and yeah, Mondrake, they, there's still a lot of games out there. Yeah, you mentioned like the two, like the two go tos, and definitely throw in a trader. Uh, trader, yeah, traders definitely. If you want great deals, traders is the place to go. Right, and 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 trader, like you know, let's let's just do like a quick, um, you know, uh, Google map in our head of the the strip in Akihabara. There's basically like this main strip, and you know, uh, Super Potato is kind of like you know, right, pretty close to the train station. But as you go towards you know, farther down that main strip, like halfway down is Trader that will be on your left, um, you know, which are, there's actually a couple of traders. There's Traders, Trader 2, and Trader 3. I think Trader 3 shut down, though. Um, you want to go to the main Trader, and you want to make sure that you go to the second floor. And on the second, don't go to the third floor. Please don't go to the third floor, for the love of God. Do not go to the third floor. No, do um, not, no. Holy hell. Um, it's like, oh, man, maybe there's some more. Ga- oh, no, there are no games up here. There's actually just lots of terrible humans doing terrible things looking at terrible stuff um but you know i'm not to judge uh so anyways 
you go to that second floor and like last time you know we were there in april and like it's still like the shelves are overflowing with games like they're they're basically like you almost have to pull a game out so you can kind of like flick through all the the games on the shelf there's still plenty of stuff in that store what did, did you pick up anything like crazy from from trader if you remember from like the last trip you're out there um Last well, you, well, oh, let's to be fair. Actually, no, let, let me. Maybe we should go two trips ago because you didn't buy a lot the last trip. You've been kind of, you know, you kind of been scaling back a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Just trying to, you know, not spend as much and not get as much filler stuff. It's more just like focus on the big things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, like what did you pick up last time? Uh, last time I got a sixty-four DD. Yeah. A it's boxed some, 64 DD. Yeah, boxed 64 DD with all the materials they were giving out, uh, promoting it, uh, came with a carrying case and like five games. I mean, just, I, you I, might want to go know. to a friend's house. You never know. You might want to bring that thing over to a friend's house and you got a carrying case. Yeah, yeah, it, it's super weird. It's, uh, I think it's uh, it's super small though. I think it's for the games that you put the, the oh, games really? in there. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a, God, those things were so weird. They were like, um, like gigantic zip disks. Yep. Uh, how many games do you have for it now? Um, I think I have five for them, for them. Um, but there is two that are super hard to get and they're super expensive. Would you, what are, are you even like, are you even entertaining the thought of picking those up? Like, are you even like saying if I find this and if it's under $300, I'm going to get it? Uh, definitely, yeah, but they're way over that price. They usually go for like six fifty to like eight hundred a pop. What, what games are those? Um, so it, one of them is uh, it's a golf game. Oh come on! <laughs> yeah, and uh, the other one is a sequel to. Uh, I forgot the name of it. It's like a you're a, a yellow giant. Um, oh, Doshin the giant. Doshin the giant. Yes. Oh man, yeah. Uh, that's. That's that's I mean that's like a that's a next generation console, you know you could be saving that for a PlayStation Five. Oh, definitely. Uh, that's why you know I'll probably never find those like with a pretty good price, just because it's just or think they just go for a ridiculous amount of money. Well, you um, I mean you mentioned friends, you mentioned um, you know Trader and, and stuff like that, uh, and uh, Mandrake or Mandrake, however you say Mandrake, it. Uh, yeah, they yeah. uh. They have a really good, and again, like it seems like, like full shelves, like to the point where like Trader and Mandrake, like they have stuff like on the back shelves, like behind the counter that they are waiting to put up because there's no room for it. Like there's, there's still plenty of stuff and there's the stuff that you're mostly going to want. Sometimes like, like anything, the prices have gone up like maybe 10 or 15, 20% on some things like based on popularity based on like a new version of like when like the new zelda game is coming out sometimes those prices go up because people want to pick up the old zelda games or when there's a episode of game center cx um you know that the prices of those games will go up like super potato literally uses that as a display to say like hey this guy played it on the show you should go buy it and pay way too much for it um but uh i think outside of that we we also talked about uh there is Nakano Mall, uh, which still has another Mandrake there, which, um, I mean, I didn't go there last time I was there. Did you get to stop by there? How, how's the stock over there? Uh, I think the better stock is there uh, in Nakano really? instead wow. of uh, the one in Akihabara, uh, just because 
I think they they're carrying catering more to collectors in mm-hmm. Nakano. It's mm-hmm. just the nature of what Nakano is. A smaller and, store, like much more specific stuff there. Yes, definitely. Uh, if you're looking for hard to find stuff, that's the place to go. Uh, and for actually, the prices are different compared to each other as well. It's a little cheaper there as well in Nakano. Get out of this. That, that well, that's another thing. Like. Do your best to get out of the city uh, as much as possible and hit up like it, it is a much more common thing than here in the United States. There's just like a bunch of like not even name brand, but just, you know, random used shops that will sell used movies, music and, and uh, of course, games like games are a really big thing in Japan and book off and hard off are the two big ones to kind of keep an eye out for. Um, and there's a book off in Akihabara as well, which I mean, there's like a book off like at every train station. Like literally, if you get off at a train station and you open up your phone, go to Google Maps and type in book off, you're gonna find one within you know a quarter of a mile from you most of the, most times. Uh, and that's where I found some of the best stuff in my recent trips, like finding a you know Dreamcast arcade stick for 500 yen at a book off, like five bucks. Yeah, book offs and hard offs are probably the stops that I, I would go the most, but. Like something like hard offers are a little harder to find. You have to actually go yeah. outside uh, to actually find anything, and sometimes it's just like it's not worth the time. To- totally, I like, um, and there is one in Akihabara, but they pretty much only sell stereo stuff, like stereo and music equipment. Um, so you might, you know, might not be worth going and checking that out. But um, the one time I did stumble, where the, I think I was in like Kawagoe, um, checking out some temples or something like that, and just like stumbled upon a like a really like a small, like a Seven Eleven sized hard off. Um, on the way back to the the train station and just like walls of like friggin' hardware and like, you know, controllers and all this like weird stuff. And if I didn't have to like carry all that stuff back, I would have bought so much because like Kawagoe is pretty far from Tokyo. And uh, at the same time, we still had a lot of sightseeing to do that day. And like, you kind of have to make that trade of, do I want a bunch of game stuff? I probably won't use, but it'd be cool to own. Like, random Famicom disk systems that probably don't work or do I want to actually like go and experience a little bit of, of Tokyo? I probably would have chose to get the stuff, but luckily I had a friend there that said, no, you don't need this stuff. Um, so, uh, outside of that, um, you mentioned the Nakano mall and also even in, even in Shibuya, there's uh, another Manjake and there is the, uh, what the hell is that bookstore called? Like right out, uh, t- t- uh Tutsuya? Right? Yeah, I think it's Tatsuya, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and they've dried up a little bit, and they go all the way from retro stuff, which the retro shelf is like pretty much like shitty baseball games and like really bad, uh, let's just say like bad, like common games, but still like if you want to go up to PS1 and PS2 stuff, there's still uh, quite a bit there um, and a bunch of, bunch of used hardware. So yeah, I guess like the, the big thing that you picked up from the last trip was pretty much just, just the DD, um, because you were doing a, you were traveling all over Japan as well, not just in Tokyo. Yeah, I was in uh, Osaka and Kyoto as well. Let me, let me ask you, um, have you dipped into any of like the repro stuff at all? Uh, not really. No, it's something I've always wanted to, but just never know where to start from. That's something I should actually chat with Peter about. <laughs> well, if you listen to earlier in this episode or in the previous episode, you get to hear Peter Brown and I talk about it quite a bit. So time travel. Um, 
I'm trying to think, is there anything else that like comes to your mind about like just kind of, because I know there's people are like always asking for stuff about buying, you know, retro game shopping and buying stuff um, in Japan. I'm kind of curious if there's anything else you know, on the top of your mind in terms of like, you know, buying tips or, or cool places to, to check out or, you know, just even advice for people that are going to be making that first trip out there. Uh, I guess my advice is to me, I think Tokyo is a little overrated for retro game collecting. Uh, just there's too many people there hunting and looking for things. Um, now Osaka is my go-to spot if I'm mm-hmm. going to actually spend money and you know actually hunt for games. Just because they have way better shops and way better selection compared to like Tokyo has. It was it was really bad. Like I was looking. Um, like we we have the uh, the the A four TGS party coming up in like two weeks or something like that, and I was That's looking. Right, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna look at flights. Like maybe maybe sh- I'll just like randomly you know show up and I'll see if I can get some cheap flights and just like literally go for 48 hours because also I'm kind of like it would be cool to just talk to some people in the in the games business and you know see what's up. Um, mm-hmm. And I looked and like all they had was middle seats in the economy and also i have like so much work to do back here i couldn't make it happen but um but i'll be going <laughs> oh good good yeah like, i'll be going to tgs and i'll be uh going to the 84 party is is like youtube doing any uh like coverage of that or, or what are you guys up to there i don't know if, uh, if you can just, talk about it yeah we're just going there to chat with a bunch of japanese creators uh that's something i've been doing in the past just like getting to know what uh, Japan wants and what are uh, their needs and figuring out like the whole uh, streaming slash making videos in Japan just because of the the, the laws of actually capturing gameplay video. Mm. It's very different than like North America or Europe. I'm going to guess that their their number one thing will be emojis and chat. Uh, yeah, I think that the thing they want the most is actually like the Nico Nico style, like uh, chat over the video is oh really usually the number one thing people ask for. Whoa! All right, um, Japan's weird, man. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Um, it's a cool kind of weird though, and as long as you stay in the like, as long as you don't, you know, as long as you're not a butthead, Japan is really uh, quite great. Um, exactly. Yeah. For the most part. So, um, all right. Well, I don't know. Is there anything else that you would want to hit on with the like Super Nintendo stuff or, or kind of like the retro game stuff as we're getting to the the 30 minute mark, believe it or not? Oh, wow. Uh, I think for the retro collecting stuff, you know, if you're starting off, don't go big. Don't go for like box stuff. Just go for things that you've been wanting to check out. Get the carts. They're a lot cheaper. If you're going for Super Famicom, um, I don't collect for the Super Famicom just because how pricey things are. Yeah. And, you know, right now I, I just do Dreamcast and, and Vita as my primary collection stuff. What what so, do you what do you what do you got on the Vita these days? What are you importing anything? You get some uppers in there? Uh I haven't imported anything for, for a while now. Uh it's mostly like getting, you know, collector's edition boxes uh right now of a lot of weird, you know, RPG slash games. <laughs> whatever's left. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, like I said, it's kind of like whatever's, uh, what's left to Christian Slater is, is basically <laughs> what we're getting on the PlayStation Vita these days. But hey, Christian Slater's getting a comeback with Mr. Robot. So anything's possible. Um, For sure. 
All right, so I, I think we will leave it for there. Uh, the last thing I'll say on the the retro game shopping: if you're staying in Japan for more than a couple days, or like Tokyo, or, in, or I should say, in one spot in Japan for a couple days, just whenever you're jet lagged, jump on Amazon Japan, order a couple games, have them shipped to the hotel, put your hotel you know room number on there, and they'll just call you up when they get there, and they'll they'll give them to you. And if you have to somehow leave early or it's late. Just uh, ask Jason, and he'll pick it up from your hotel, <laughs> and then he'll ship it to you uh, when he gets home. So it works out. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that's going to do it uh, for this. Um, Jay, any, anything that you want to like give people a heads up on or where people can you know, keep up to date on what you're doing following? And also, you got a badass YouTube channel with some kick-ass videos from your last trip uh, from Japan. Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, if you want to follow a lot of what I'm doing and basically see more of Japan retro collecting stuff. I'll be doing more videos coming up in September. Um, and you can check out my channel, Wasabi Galaxy. And if you want to check out you know, updates and just chat with me, I'm on Twitter. It's J21Art. Fantastic. Oh, badass. I have this bookmark. I must have subscribed. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, Wasabi Galaxy on YouTube. Easy to find if you just can't remember and you want to make a, a quick google search you can do that uh as well but yeah like seriously badass videos from the last trip uh to japan and also some stuff from e3 uh so yes. you know make sure that you go and check all that stuff out that's gonna do it um i don't know what's what's up next it might be someone else or i might just be playing some music and you got to get out of here and go play some go play some super nintendo games 